have your Bibles tonight, open them to Psalm 40 with me. Psalms 40. And as you're turning there, I want you to just uh, let me share with you a little bit about mud. How many of you like the mud? Yeah, some of us do. Um, one of the things that you learn in the, in the South here is that people actually go what they call mudding. It's where you take your car, your vehicle, and you go and you purposely get in the mud. And the goal is to not get stuck. But anybody who's ever been mudding, you always get what? Stuck. All right, that, that's pretty much a, a given. Because you're not trying hard enough unless you get stuck, okay? Uh, at some point, you're going to get stuck. And when you get stuck, most of the time here in the South, we're going to do something. We're going to end up calling somebody with a bigger truck, right? To say, hey, I'm stuck. Can you come pull me out? Uh, that's, that's how it all works. Uh, I've been on both sides of it, uh, more on the stuck side than the other, but uh, have been stuck many times in the mud. When I was a teenager, and uh, my parents are not here tonight, but uh, when I was a teenager, my mom had a, a Blazer. Uh, it was Chevrolet Blazer. And she'd had it for a while, took good care of it, and turned 16. Back then, you know, 16, we got our real license, and, and now they have to wait till they're 17. But we was driving, and I got my license, and I was excited, and it was a Friday night, and I was going out and hanging out with my friends, and uh, back over where uh, Legend Oaks and all, there used to be an old golf course over there that we would go and drive on. Uh, and it was muddy and hilly, and oh, it was just a blast. Uh, so after jumping about three hills with that, Chevrolet Blazer, uh, one of the shocks just completely gave out, just busted, come loose, and so the tire's sitting up underneath the truck, and it's a bad situation. That was a phone call I didn't want to have to make, uh, but I did. So, uh, you know, we find ourselves in situations where we're stuck in the mud, and for, for this, for what we're going to be talking about tonight, that's the title of tonight's message, Being Stuck in the Mud. Uh, we all are there at some point. Of course, visually, I want you to see that truck stuck in the mud, and <clears throat> we think about how did we get there. Uh, I was telling the students uh, about this and talking about when I used to work with a power company, uh, there's a, a, a power line that runs across Ashley Phosphate Road. Uh, it goes back behind Westcott and all that stuff over there. Uh, and, and if you ever have a truck that you think is unsinkable, there's your spot. Don't tell anybody I told you to go there, but... Uh, parents, if your kids end up there, I didn't tell them that, okay? That's just where they went on their own. Uh, so uh, that place is just horrible. It's the worst I've ever seen. There's, there's big, huge ponds back there that uh, they're not supposed to be ponds, but they are. So we were back there working, and I had a boy that was working with me. He just came out of high school. He's about 18 years old, and, you know, he was like most of us at 18. You can't really tell us anything. And so he's got one of the trucks, and he's headed down there, and I told him, you know about that place and and what it, how it was and sure enough he heads down there and just sinks the truck now those trucks are not like a four-wheel drive truck that when you sink it you just go and winch it out they're heavy they're big trucks and they're heavy so it took a lot to get that truck out uh, and as I was preparing this and thinking through this uh, it, it was bringing back the memories of that truck being stuck and it was almost impossible and I even told him about how you know, when you winch a truck out, if you try with just one winch and it don't work, sometimes you can hook a pulley to the end and block it, they call it, and get a little extra oomph on it. Y'all know what oomph means? Okay, good. I'm glad, I'm glad y'all know that because I don't have to describe that to you. 
a little extra muscle. So then you try that, and you can try three blocks, and you know, there's all kind of tricks to try to get them out of the mud. Uh, we like to never got that truck out of the mud. Uh, and, and so as I was thinking about that, I was reading Psalms 40, as I want to go into tonight, and I was thinking about David. And I want to just ask you, before we start reading this, I need some interaction from you guys tonight. Tell me about David. Just, just, just blurt out a sentence about David. Okay? That's awesome. Sinner? Be more specific. Giant killer? Murderer? Adulterer? Not a good father? King? Shepherd? Okay. So all these things that we think of David, what was the first thing we said? Man after God's own heart, right? But David was a man that loved the mud. I'm just being honest with you. As you read David's life, and I know Pastor really loves David and has preached a lot of things on David, but as you look back over David's life and you see how he lived, boy, he, he loved the mud. He, he caused just some, some havoc in his life and how he lived and the things that would happen. And as we sit in here tonight, and, and what was crazy about this morning and Pastor was preaching that message is we judge and uh, we shoot our wounded and all this stuff. But as we sit here tonight, I think it would be very wise for us to maybe look in t- eternally here inside of us tonight and say, where am I at? Where am I at in, in the life of David? Am I at the place where God's looking down and saying, that's a man after my own heart? That's a woman after my own heart? Or am I in a place where, you know what, I'm deep in the mud and I'm digging deeper? And we're going to get to a little bit of that in a minute. But David found himself stuck in the mud. And if any of you have been stuck in the mud and you don't quit trying to get out, what are you going to do? You're going to get worse. And so we think of the story of David and we think of what happened when he had that adulterous affair with Bathsheba. He got stuck in the mud. And then he tried to get himself out of it and he went deeper in the mud. And then he realized that that wasn't going to work. So he sent the, the husband of Bathsheba out to the battlefield basically to murder him. He knew he was going to die. He was getting deeper in the mud, right? He was just sinking. How did he come out of that? I don't know for sure, and and I've tried to find out for sure where Psalms 40 uh, was written in the timeline of David's life, and and I don't know that anybody knows exactly for sure. But I just got to think in my mind that it's got to be around a time when, obviously, David was in a pit. He was in a mud pile. So let's read it, and then we'll get to the points that I want to get to tonight. Follow along with me in Psalms 40. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry for help. He brought me up from a desolate pit, out of the muddy clay, and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. How happy is the man who has put his trust in the Lord and has not turned to the proud or to those who run after lies. Lord, my God, you have done many things, your wonderful works and your plans for us. None can compare with you. If I were to report and speak of them, they are more than can be told. You do not delight in sacrifice and offering. You open my ears to listen. You do not ask for whole burnt offering or a sin offering. Then I said, see, I have come. It is written about me in the volume of the scroll. I delight to do 
Your will, my God, your instruction resides within me. I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. See, I do not keep my mouth closed, as you know, Lord. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I spoke about your faithfulness and salvation. I do not conceal your constant love and truth from the great assembly. Lord, do not withhold your compassion from me. Your constant love and truth will always guard me. For troubles without number have surrounded me. My sins have overtaken me. I am unable to see. They are more than the, than the hairs of my head, and my courage leaves me. Lord, be pleased to deliver me. Hurry to help me, Lord. Verse 14, let those who seek to take my life be disgraced and confound. Let those who wish me harm be driven back and humiliated. Let those who say to me, aha, be horrified because of their shame. Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation continually say, the Lord is great. I am afflicted and needy. The Lord thinks of me. You are my help and my deliverer, my God. Do not delay. What a psalm. What a psalm that I believe tonight relates to a lot of us. I, I, I am a, a person that is very raw and real. Uh, I am who I am, and, and I make no apologies other than the, the, the fact that I'm a work in progress, okay? Uh, so uh, that's, just, that's just the truth of it, but that's what David was. He was a, a, a real person, okay, that had real struggles in his life. You know, he didn't come to church every Sunday with a smile on his face and thinking that everybody in the church thought, oh, man, he's got it together. That David, that's a man after God's own heart. He's got it all together. No, this was a man that found himself at the beginning of Psalm 40 in a pit. He's bogged down, folks. He, is, he cannot help himself. He is caught in a position that is terrible. It's muddy. It's nasty. It's, it's uh, helpless feelings. He can't, he can't get out of it. And many of us, as we sit here tonight... We think that in, in some way, shape, or form, that makes us a lesser Christian uh, because we're in a clay or because we're in a mud pit. Folks, I'm telling you right now, this is a man after God's own heart. This is a man, yes, he had a lot of problems. <laughs> but because of those problems, in my opinion, God used those to build him to be the man after his own heart. You see, on the, on the mountaintops, we don't appreciate God until we get in the mud pile. Tonight, I want to share with you four things, four truths of how David got out of this mud pit. Again, I don't know exactly the timing of when this happened, but just it doesn't matter when it happened or how or what was going on at the time. I think we can relate with he's in a bogged down pit. He is in a tight spot and he needs a way out. So we're going to look at four things that I believe tonight we can learn from this psalm of how we, if we are in, find ourselves in a mud pit, can get out. We've got to have help. We've got to call for help. And there's only one truck big enough to get us out of that mud pit. So let's look at those four things. Number one, verse three. He says, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. First, number one tonight. He, put, he had a new song, and he sang it. David, uh, remember, he's, we're talking about how did David come out of this mud pit? 
first and foremost, he had a new song and he sang it. As I was reading this and thinking about this, I couldn't help but think of Paul and Silas. Uh, that's one of the famous ones that you can think of somebody who was in a bad situation and rejoiced. There was a quote I want to read to you. It says, I can't change my circumstances, but I can change my attitude. I struggle with that one. I can make something worse in a heartbeat. Y'all with me? You let a lawnmower not crank when I'm trying to cut some grass, and we're going to have a problem. And Mr. Steve's going to get a phone call, and when he gets there, it may be in one piece or it may be in a thousand pieces with a hammer, okay? So don't laugh at me, because I've seen, rode by and seen some of y'all with weed eaters, okay? So uh, y'all beating them. They don't crank like that. So we, we get in a bad situation, and sometimes we make it worse, right? So, so first thing is we can't change the circumstance. We can't change the things around us. All we can change is our attitude in the circumstance. Think about Paul and Silas. They're locked up in jail. We talked about this before, and uh, many, many people have preached about this, but Paul and Silas find themselves in the gutter pit of the jail. Not just in jail, in the gutter pit of the jail. Locked up. No exit. No way out. Their circumstances are terrible. Did, what did they do to get there? Did they murder somebody? No. They were preaching the truth. They were, they, matter of fact, they rescued someone and got thrown in prison for it. Okay. So as they find themselves in this prison, instead of sitting there and getting upset about, you know, God... Why am I here? I did what you, were, what you wanted me to do, and yet I'm in prison. Instead of saying that, they begin to sing that new song. They begin to worship God. They begin to praise God because they recognize, you know what? It's my attitude right now, not my circumstances. God's got me here. My attitude's got to be aligned with what God's will is for why I'm here, right? I use this analogy all the time, and, and it really stuck with me from the day I was saved uh, whenever we sat in Miss Diane's uh, funeral was across the street over here, and we sat in that limousine right outside that right there. This building wasn't finished yet. We're sitting in there, and these guys were laughing and having fun and, and praising God, and I'm sitting there as a new Christian thinking, these cats are drinking some crazy Kool-Aid, okay, because they, they're burying their mother, and they're laughing and cutting up and, and having joy of the Lord. Listen, that's, that's the song. That's the worship. I'm not telling you that... Every time something happens, we come out singing and praising. No, it, it's a work. But when the attitude aligns with God's will, then the worship will take place, right? So, number one, David, in order to get out of this mud pit, God gave him a new song. He gave him peace in his heart. David had faith. We're going to be talking about faith in all of these things that we talk about that word. We use that word in a mighty way, faith. But as David was faced with this, it was faith that, yes, I've got a new song and I can worship uh, God because I believe and trust in where he has me and where I'm at. And that he is able to rescue me from this miry pit. Number two. Verse one. I waited patiently for the Lord and he turned to me and heard my cry for help. Now, if you think I struggled with the first one. The second one, I really struggle with. He waited. You see that word? Y'all look at your Bibles with me. He waited patiently. I'm not waiting or patiently. I don't, those don't even go together. That's, that, that's just bad English. David waited patiently. He waited patiently for what? For the Lord. He says, I waited patiently 
for the, for the Lord. And then look at this next part, because this is, remember I'm telling you a little, uh, David had faith in what was going on here. Look at this second part, he said, and he turned to me and heard my cry for help. Now this is really interesting right here. David waited with a faith that God would hear him and answer him. He waited patiently, not because he was sitting there saying, well, I can't help myself, I'll just sit here. He waited patiently because he knew he had a faith, he had an absolute certainty that God would hear and answer him. And what did God do? This next little phrase, he says, and he turned to me and heard my cry for help. Some of your Bibles may say, he inclined to me. Let me tell you what that means in the Greek. And if you don't do Greek studies, it is, it's cool. Uh, Precept teaches you how to kind of uh, use Blue Letter Bible and different things to kind of research those root words and find out what they mean. And it's really cool to find out some of that because a lot of times things get lost in our English. This word that's being used here means that he stooped down, he bent down to their level to hear what he was saying. I, I was sharing this with the youth uh, few weeks ago and I talked about I said y'all know like the little people and when I say that I'm talking about like the little children in the nursery little tiny people that you know they talk mush mouth you don't really understand what they're saying uh, and and to get what they're saying you got to get down there on their level and the older I get the, the more I realize that you got to get down there ear to ear and, and really kind of understand okay what are you saying what what you try, what you want here they may be wanting bathroom and that's important you need to know that okay so instead of just assuming they're saying something, you better recognize what they're saying. Listen, get the picture of a caring father who stoops down, gets down on their level, gets down here where they are so that they can hear what they're saying. Now you take that picture and you apply it to this word. It says, and he turned, he stooped down to me and heard my cry for help. Why is that important? It's important because we cannot get to God. We are absolutely no way that we can reach God on our own if but by he would stoop down to us. Pastor used it this morning that he reached down through Jesus to come and to rescue us out of that pit for salvation. Can I tell you something encouraging? It doesn't stop with salvation. You're his children. He cared about where David was right here. David had an absolute faith that he knew God is listening to me. He's my father. And as I'm tugging on his shirt and saying, help me out of this mud pit, God don't just say, leave me alone right now. Leave me alone right now. He knew that God was going to stoop down, bend down there where he was at, and hear what he had to say. It was that important to him. If we want to get out of the mud pit like David we got to understand and have the faith that God's going to give us a new song. If we keep it mute, it's no good. We have to sing it. Number two, got to wait on the Lord and wait with an expectation that God's going to hear and answer our prayers because he's a loving father that will stoop down to where we are. Do you have that faith tonight? I, I don't want you just to answer that question. I want you to really think about that tonight. Do you have the faith to know that your father is hearing and answering your prayers. If you say yes to that, then I'm going to ask you, how's your prayer life? Because those two ought to align. I, I use this, and, and my students get tired of it. They knew I was going, y'all knew I was about to tell this analogy, didn't you? I know they did. When I tell it, you're going to say, oh, I knew he was going to say that tonight, because I say it all the time. I like it. It fits. It's good, okay? 
It's not mine. I stole it, but that's what preachers do. So imagine, imagine this guy is walking a tightrope across the Grand Canyon, okay? He's got the tightrope stretched across the Grand Canyon, and he walks across. He takes the wheelbarrow, and he asks the crowd, hey, guys, how many of you believe, how many of you have faith that I can walk across this tightrope to the other side with this wheelbarrow? Everybody's like, oh, yeah, I, I think you can do it. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here with all these TV cameras. Yeah, we think you can do it. So he gets the wheelbarrow, he walks across, he comes back. He says, how many of you believe I can walk across there with this wheelbarrow? Oh, I know you can do it. I absolutely know. Well, get in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> that, changes, that changes the perspective on faith, right? It's not just, okay, I believe you can do it. Now I have some skin in the game. I have something that's saying, okay, I'm placing my faith and that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. I'm placing my faith that while I'm waiting patiently, I feel like in my flesh I should be out here doing something, right? Uh, that's what we feel like. I, I know I'm not alone in that. I feel like as a man, I got to fix it. I got to try to make it right. But we're waiting patiently on God because we know we have faith, an absolute certainty that it's going to happen. That word faith, that's, it's, it's not a hope so. It's not, oh, I, I hope this works out. It's an absolute faith. It's an absolute certainty that God is going to do what God will do. Not what we want him to do, what God will do. Thirdly, and this is another hard one. Uh, look, look, at, um, look what he says over in verse 6. He says, you do not delight in sacrifice and offering." You open my ears to listen. You do not ask for a whole burnt offering or a sin offering. The third thing in, in getting out of this mud pit, I want you to turn to 1 Samuel with me real quick. I, I think we'll get this point and then we'll go back. Keep your spot in Psalms 40 because we're going right back there. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. First Samuel 15:22 says, "Then Samuel said, "Does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? Look, to obey is better than sacrifice. To pay attention is better than the fat of rams." Now turn back over to Psalms 40, verse six. You do not delight in sacrifice and offering. You open my ears to listen. You do not ask for whole burnt offering or a sin offering. Now, I, I want to tell you, this is Old Testament, okay? And these are Old Testament truths that are still New Testament truths that are always truths, okay? It is absolute truths. Here's the truth that you need to understand. Yes, God required sacrifice in the Old Testament of burnt offerings for a purpose, okay? But there was requirements behind that. It wasn't about the burnt offerings. Don't get confused. It's about the obedience of what they did. Cain and Abel brought their offerings, right? And one was accepted, one wasn't. Why? Because they were bad? No, because they weren't what, because one wasn't what it was supposed to be. It wasn't following in obedience. Even if it would have been the very best that it could have been, it wasn't following in obedience. What does God want from you more than anything else? Obedience. Obedience. 
So number three in our, in our list here is surrender to God. Surrender to God. Obedience. That, I want you to look at uh, verse 6 again. It says, you do not delight in sacrifice and offerings. You open my ears to listen. Again, going back to some translation here, that's, that translation of you open my ear to listen is actually a picture of he dug out a hole for you to hear. That's what that was created for. He dug out a hole. Now, for us, that's like, yeah, I know that. Well, why don't we? <laughs> he says, you open my ears to listen. What is obedience? Obedience is not doing what you don't know what to do. That's confusing. Obedience is doing what you hear and obey. The Word of God says, don't just be hearers of the Word of God, be you also doers, right? So when you come in here, and I tell our students all the time, it's a very dangerous thing when you sit in here every day and you hear truth. It's dangerous. Because you're getting truth. Whether you want to hear it or not, you're hearing truth from this pulpit. Our pastor opens his Bible every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday, and whoever's up here does the same or they'll be run off. The point is, you're getting truth. Our Sunday school teachers teach truth. Our small groups are teaching truth. Everything that goes on, Awanas, our children are learning truth. Now, what you do with that truth is then your responsibility. We far too easy think that, okay, well, we'll just come, sit in a pew. We're saved. I'm going to heaven. I'm good. I got my ticket. And we walk out of here and we just continue to live our life the way it is. I'm telling you right now, you're going to be for a rude awakening. You're going to be for a rude awakening. It's my goal to one day stand before my father and him say to me, well done, thy good and faithful servant. David wasn't perfect. David disobeyed a lot. He messed up a lot of times. But yet God said he was a man after his own heart. Why? Because you read David's life and David was obedient. When you look back at David's repentance, when you look back when that prophet came to David and said, God knows what you did. His heart had already been broken. David didn't run from the truth. He embraced it and said, I know I've sinned against him. He wrote a psalm about that. He said, restore to me, God, the joy of my salvation. He said, I sinned against you, God. Obedience. He surrendered to God. He was obedient. If we want to get out of this mud pit, we've got to understand God gave us ears not to hear the gossip, but to hear the truth. And then we have to react to that truth. We have to react to that truth that we hear in obedience. Uh, we talk about a, a hot subject in our youth group and stuff about, you know, all kinds of things that, that the world wants to tell us is okay, but God's word tells us is not okay. And we want to get in an argument over it. The reality is this. It, can I give you every explanation of why? No. But God's word says it. That's good enough. That's what we're going to do. Obey. Fourthly, as we close up tonight. Verse 11. It says, Lord, do not withhold your compassion from me. Your constant love and truth will always guard me. Let me read that again. Lord, do not withhold your compassion from me. Your constant love and truth 
will always guard me. You might want to write this down, because some of you may need this someday. The fourth thing of getting out of the mud is realizing there's more mercy than mud. There's more mercy than mud. I'm, I'm, as I said at the beginning, I'm real. And as I stand before you tonight, I've been in the mud pit many times. Sometimes it's because I didn't realize it was a mud pit, and sometimes I jumped headfirst in it. The reality is this. There's more mercy than mud. Yes, yes, we, we we are, as the Bible says, desperately wicked in our hearts. But I have a a passion and a desire to obey God and to walk with God. I have a passion and desire to to be uh, all that God would have me to be, if that makes sense. But the truth of the matter is, sometimes I don't end up there. And thank God. Thank God for mercy. Thank God that when he looks down at me, it says this, your constant love and truth will always Guard me. Pastor talked about this very thing this morning. Love and truth. Love and truth. Listen to me. In 1997, I walked into this church for the very first time. And that building right over there stood in the back as a 21-year-old who really didn't have any hope or thought of church or Christianity or anything to do with it other than there was a hot girl that invited me to go and I'm there, okay? I'm just being honest. That's why I was there. So if that's what gets them here, whatever. I was there. And as I stood in the back of that church and there was a a group, Brian Free and Assurance, up there singing songs about this heaven and they sung a song about looking for a city. And, And some of you know that song and you're like, are you kidding me? That's the song? Yes, that's the song that began the transformation in my life as I sat and said, wait a minute, I'm looking for something like that. And as the weeks went on, thank God for a father-in-law would be that had the nerve to set me down and say, listen, son, do you know that if you was to die, you would, you would spend eternity in heaven? And as I think about all that, and I think about this love and truth, your constant love and truth guards me as I think about that, and I think about that there's more mercy than mud. I think back to, to that day in January, and I think about today. Many of you sitting here knew me back in 1997. Many of you have watched me grow up in this church. I am not the same man I was then, praise God. His love and his truth guarded me, changed me, grew me to become, and will continue to grow me into becoming what he would have me to be. And you know what that is? Paul says, I am predestined to be in the image of Christ. Take that. You are too. You're going to look just like me one day. Y'all don't sound excited about that. We, we got to understand, we got to have faith to understand that there's more mercy than mud. As I think back over this 21 years of my Christian life, boy, I can think of some muddy situations. And I can think of times that I thought, boy, this is it. There's no way. There's no way he can continue to love me through this. But you know what God did? He stooped down. He put his ear to me and he says, I hear you. He pulled me up. 
He cleaned me off. He washed me clean. And he sent me on my way. I was telling the students that we, we hunt. That's, that's just what you do here. We hunt, okay? So if you, if you just, just tell people, yeah, I hunt. That just works, okay? So when you hunt, you get your truck muddy. When it rains, you're not going to stay home just because it rained. It's muddy. You go in the woods. You're, you're, you're getting to places in the woods, and it's just muddy. It just gets dirty. So during hunting season, I don't wash my truck. It just is nasty. It'll sit out here in this parking lot and leave stains. When it rains, the mud just washes off. And some of the places we go, I don't know if that's healthy dirt or not, so just stay out of it, okay? Uh, but as it rains and it leaves a spot, I just, I just don't wash the truck. But most hunters come January, first week of January or so, you'll notice something. All of a sudden, you're like, hey, they got a new truck. <laughs> no, we just washed the truck because you know why? We're done going in the woods. We're not going back in the mud. So we wash it until next year. Well, God takes us out of that mud pit, and he cleans us off, and he washes us off just as though we were brand new, and he sends us back on this journey of life. And he says to us with truth, this is why you ended up in the mud pit. This is why I came and saved you from the mud pit. Now walk in that love and mercy. Tonight, I don't, I don't know where you are, uh, but I can promise you this. At some point in your life, you will find yourself in the mud pit. I hope tonight as you read through Psalms 40 again, I encourage you to go home and spend some time in it. I hope that God can encourage our hearts tonight to understand that if you're in that mud pit, have patience. He's faithful. He's given you a new song. Change the attitude. Begin to praise God for what he's done. Be obedient. Be obedient in what he tells you and where you're at. Sometimes the mud's our fault, sometimes it's not. And have faith and understand that his mercy is much greater than the mud. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.